Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, we take a look at the Bible translation industry. We ask the question, how much does it really cost to translate the Bible? We also look at a milestone for the Christian ministry Samaritan's Purse. It will hit $1 billion in revenue this year. And one of evangelicalism's flagship seminaries, Fuller Seminary, has the first African-American president in its history. We'll have some details. We begin today with news that 2,000 churches and Christian ministries have asked the U.S. Senate to oppose the Respect for Marriage Act. Yeah, on September 13th, that's Tuesday of this week, Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, which is a Christian legal defense group, sent a letter on behalf of 2,000 pastors, ministers of faith, and leaders of religious nonprofit organizations asking the U.S. Senate to oppose the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Now, the Respect for Marriage Act is sponsored by Representative Jerry Nadler, who's a pretty progressive Democrat from the state of New York, and it passed the House of Representatives back in July by a fairly wide margin, 267 to 157. The Senate could take up the measure as soon as September 19th, which would be Monday. Yeah, and according to the ADF letter, the act puts churches and ministries in danger simply because they hold a biblical definition of marriage as the union between one man and one woman. ADF says that this bill, if it's enacted into law, would authorize the Internal Revenue Service to strip the tax-exempt status from a church or Christian ministry that holds a biblical view of marriage. So is the bill likely to pass the Senate? Well, I'm fond of quoting Yogi Berra in these situations. He once said that predictions are dangerous, especially predictions about the future. And I think predictions are a particularly bad look for journalists who should be in the reporting business, not the predicting business. That said, I will say that passage of this bill in the Senate will be tough. Democrats in the Senate are unified behind the bill, but it will take 10 Republican votes to get to the 60-vote supermajority that will be needed to pass this bill. Now, it's possible that one or two moderate Republicans might go along, but getting to 10 seems pretty unlikely. Now, that doesn't mean that this, though, is not an important issue, so it should be a subject of activism and, most importantly, of prayer. Our next story involves a topic we've been covering a lot here at Ministry Watch over the past two years, and that's Bible translation. Yeah, and that's because Bible translation organizations in the United States receive more than $500 million a year in donations. And for the past couple of years, we've been asking how many Bibles actually get translated and how much does a Bible translation cost? Remarkably, the answer to that question varies from it depends to nobody really knows. That's why the Sagmore Institute, an Indiana-based think tank, recently did a study to analyze the cost and use of funds in Bible translation. And the study was funded by the Chattanooga-based McClellan Foundation on behalf of the Illuminations Resource Partners. So what did that study reveal? 
Well, the study found a couple of key, um, uh, I guess you could say, learnings. One is that according, again, to the study, the average project cost of a complete written Bible is just under a million dollars, $937,000 in change. And here was a pretty stunning figure. On average, it takes 15.8 years to complete a Bible translation. So is that good or bad or somewhere in between? Well, it's not great. Um, the, the numbers released by the Sagamore Institute highlight the fact that the vast majority of dollars contributed to Bible translation organizations do not, in fact, go to Bible translation. For example, the organizations that make up Illuminations took in more than $521 million last year, but these organizations produce less than 20 complete Bible translations in a year. So if it really costs just a million dollars to produce the Bible, as the Sagamore Institute says, that means that support and other costs could have topped $500 million. Also, there's a key question that the Sagamore Institute failed to ask altogether, and that's that question of how many Bible translations actually get finished each year. To my way of thinking, that's a key number, and it simply wasn't a part of the Sagamore study, which in my mind causes the study to be seriously compromised. But other analysis, including some that I've done here at Ministry Watch, suggest that, as I mentioned a moment ago, that only about 15 to 20 full Bibles get translated each year. And if that's accurate, then the fully loaded cost of translating and distributing a Bible is not $1 million, as the Sagamore Institute study would have us believe, but closer to $25 million. That is a massive difference. Our next story involves a California pastor who has pled guilty for exploiting homeless people for their SNAP benefits. Now, first of all, Warren, what is a SNAP benefit? SNAP stands for Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. I think a lot of people colloquially call that food stamps, even though that's not exactly an accurate way to describe it. Uh, Former California pastor of Imperial Valley Ministries, Victor Gonzalez, was alleged to have locked participants inside what they called restoration homes and used their government benefits for personal financial gain. He entered a guilty plea along with three others to one count of conspiracy to commit benefits fraud. Now, Gonzalez was one of 12 Imperial Valley Ministries officials that were originally charged back in 2019 by federal authorities for illegally using the SNAP benefits of over 30 people who were residing in Imperial Valley Rehabilitation Group Homes in El Centro and Calexico, California. The final sentencing hearing hasn't happened yet, but the plea agreement includes the possibility of up to five years in prison for Gonzalez. That's right. And court records estimate that the value of the food stamps benefits uh, acquired by Gonzalez and his co-conspirators would be, were around $103,000. And court records also stated that Gonzalez lived in one of these homes uh, free of charge and collected a weekly salary. Now, Gonzalez and his wife and both Joe and Mercy Diaz will appear in court for sentencing on November 14th. Warren, we need to take a break here. When we return, a look at how Samaritan's Purse became a billion-dollar powerhouse. 
I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll be back with that story and much more after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Up next, the story that we promised before the break, an update on Samaritan's Purse. Yeah, you know, we've reported on Samaritan's Purse a great deal over the past three years, so it should be no surprise to our listeners that the organization is large and active. But this year, it will reach a milestone. It will pass the $1 billion mark in annual revenue. That's pretty rarefied air in the Christian ministry world. In fact, it makes it one of the top 50 nonprofits of all kinds uh, in the United States. Only World Vision and Compassion International have hit that level among Christian organizations, at least according to the records that we keep here at Ministry Watch. So what's been fueling the growth? Well, the organization is large and complex, so that means that it's not just one thing that is fueling that growth, but a combination of things, including a high-profile leader, Franklin Graham, an aggressive fundraising team, and an implementation team that is experienced in operating in some of the most dangerous regions in the world. But I think the main reason for the success might have been best articulated by Ken Isaacs, who is one of the senior leaders at Samaritan's Purse. Uh, Ken Isaacs put it this way, when we say we run to the fire, that's not idle talk. And I think he's right. You know, I've been following Samaritan's Purse, as I've said, for many years. Samaritan's Purse uh, was on the front lines of the Ebola crisis in Liberia. Uh, It opened up a field hospital in Central Park during the darkest days of the COVID pandemic. And now it's making regular flights into Ukraine with its huge DC-8 transport jet. And by the way, Natasha, I should probably add here that by way of disclosure, I have traveled on that DC-8 aircraft. I was uh, a guest of Samaritan's Purse on a trip to Liberia uh, a couple of years ago to visit a hospital that they have in Monrovia reporting on the Ebola crisis then. It's an amazing aircraft, and their Liberia operation, which included a brand new hospital, was very impressive. So in addition to Liberia, where else is Samaritan's Purse? And can you give us a few details about its operations? Yeah, sure. I mean, the organization's headquarters is right here in North Carolina, not far from where I live uh, in the town of 
Boone. Uh, I live in Charlotte. It's about an hour and a half away. It has warehouses in Coppell, Texas and Fullerton, California, field offices in 17 countries around the world. And it also has a lodge in Alaska where it runs marriage seminars for wounded soldiers and law enforcement officers. Oh, and this week, Samaritan's Purse, headed by evangelical leader Franklin Graham, as I mentioned, made its 30th airlift since Russia began its offensive against Ukraine in February. It's uh, helped 5.5 million Ukrainians with medicine, food, and water. Early in the conflict, it also operated an emergency field hospital and outpatient clinic in Lviv, treating an estimated 17,700 patients. It now supports about 30 medical facilities across the country. Our next story involves relief and healing, but of a different kind. Yeah, for years, Jules Woodson uh, has advocated for reform in the nation's largest Protestant denomination, that's the Southern Baptist Convention, hoping to assist survivors of sexual abuse and hold abusers to account. Now she's joined a nonprofit effort to connect abuse survivors with mental health services and counseling through a new initiative that was announced this week. According to Woodson, I've always wanted to be a part of something bigger than my own story. So she became the co-founder and chief operations officer for a group called Help, Hear, and Heal, which is a group that will provide scholarships to abuse survivors that are seeking counseling. The nonprofit will fund six sessions of counseling for abuse survivors through a partnership with an organization called ThriveWorks, which is a counseling practice that provides both in-person and online therapy. And it's being funded by private donations, including a significant donation from a tech entrepreneur. Now, Woodson has become an advocate for abuse survivors for at least the past five years. Yeah, during the Southern Baptist Convention's annual gathering this past summer, the denomination actually passed a resolution apologizing to Woodson and nine other survivors by name. Uh, The denomination also passed a set of reforms that Woodson was advocating for designed to address abuse. Warren, let's take a look at one more story before the break, and it's a story of a religious leader we've been following for more than a year. Yeah, his name is Nason Joaquim Garcia, and he's the leader of a group called La Luz del Mundo, which is the light of the world. He is facing a new lawsuit filed by five women who allege that he sexually abused them while other church members groomed them and used uh, the religion, their religion as ammunition against them. The five women are identified only as Jane Doe's in this civil lawsuit, which was uh, filed last week in Los Angeles Superior Court. The women range in age from 20 to 28, at least that's their age now, but they were in some cases minors uh, whenever they were abused, uh, and they were also Um, called John Doe in the criminal charges filed against Garcia by the California Attorney General's office. They cite sexual battery, intentional infliction of emotional distress, uh, negligence, and gender violence, and seek unspecified compensatory and punitive damages against the church. 
Yeah, named in the complaint are uh, Garcia himself, 53 years old, who is now in prison after taking a plea deal on criminal charges uh, brought by the Attorney General Rob Bonta, as well as other leaders in the church. Now, the five women and their families are not under police protection, and they say they've been harassed and threatened by members of the church. The alleged abuses by Garcia occurred between 2015 and 2019, according to the suit. Yeah, from the time they were young children, uh, the women were routinely coerced to believe that Garcia's wishes and desires were direct orders from God, that he was without sin and incapable of committing any wrongs, according to the complaint. Warren, I think it's appropriate to pause here and note that this belief and many other beliefs of La Luz del Mundo are not biblical or historically Christian. Yeah, that's right. And you're right. It is important that we uh, note that. Uh, La Luz del Mundo was founded in 1926 by Garcia's grandfather, um, Esubio Joaquim Gonzalez. Uh, the church rejects, for example, the doctrine of the Trinity and teaches that Jesus is God's son and that church leaders like Garcia, uh, his father and grandfather, are apostles of Jesus. But it's important to note that while this is not a traditional or historically orthodox Christian church, the group does claim to have five million adherents in Central and South America as well as here in the United States, and many of the people who are a part of La Luz del Mundo were formerly members of evangelical churches who were led astray because of a lack of discipleship taking place in Christian churches. So I think this is a group that is, in fact, worth highlighting. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return, our lightning round of ministry news of the week. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello everyone, I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Well, what I have first is Fuller Theological Seminary, the nation's largest interdenominational seminary, has chosen as its new president, David Emanuel Goatley, the first black person to hold that office. Goatley will replace Mark Laberton, who announced that he was stepping down last year after 10 years as president, saying that he hoped his replacement would be a woman or a person of color. Now, Goatley comes to Fuller from 
Duke Divinity School, where he was hired in 2018 to direct the Office of Black Church Studies and to teach theology at Duke, which is, by the way, a Methodist school. At least it has historical roots to United Methodism. And I should also add that Goldley is ordained as a Baptist pastor. He was ordained in the National Baptist Church. Uh, he's also been Associate Dean for Academic and Vocational Formation at Duke. He'll take the helm at Fuller in January. And who does Christina Darnell have in the Ministries Making a Difference column for this week? Christian Union, a college discipleship ministry, um, has hosted Bible studies for more than 1,100 students on 10 college campuses and universities uh, in its most recent year, and of course now it's kicking off its new year. Christian Union faculty and student leaders mentor participants throughout their educational experience. By the way, they operate on Ivy League schools primarily in the Northeast. Their philosophy is that they are wanting to train the next generation of leaders for the church and for culture. I should add that Christian Union has two stars uh, uh, from Ministry Watch on our five-star financial efficiency scale, which is not great, but it does have an A transparency grade and a donor confidence score of 85, which means that a donor can give with confidence. The other ministry that we've highlighted is Dallas Life, which celebrated the graduation of three men from its Homeless No More recovery program a couple of days ago. 90% of graduates from that program do not return to homelessness, according to the ministry. Dallas Life is the largest homeless shelter in North Texas, and it houses up to 500 people per night, including families and single parents with children. Now, Dallas Life gets five stars from Ministry Watch, five out of five, which is very good, an A transparency grade and a donor confidence score of 90 out of 100. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, yeah, just a couple of quick items. Uh, I'm going to be doing a bit of traveling in uh, the next couple of months, and if I come to your town, I'd love to see you. I'll be in Nashville next week, and I'll be hosting a lunch for Ministry Watch supporters. If you'd like details, please send me an email. My email address is wsmith at ministrywatch.com. I'll also be hosting a lunch for Ministry Watch friends right here in my hometown of Charlotte in mid-October, and I'll be in Newport Beach, California in November, on November 15th. If you live in those cities, you should be getting an email from me with more information, but if you want to make sure that you get an invite, I, I would like to make sure as well. Please, again, email me, wsmith at ministrywatch.com, and I'll make sure you get the details. I should add, all these lunches are free. They're just our way of saying thank you for being a part of our work and just a way for us to get to know each other a bit more. I also want to remind you that if you make a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of September, you'll get a free copy of our book, Restoring All Things, as a thank you gift. Uh, this book is one that I wrote with the Colson Center's John Stone Street, and it features stories of great Christian ministries doing great work all around the country. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosal and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Guttard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Emily McFarlane Miller, Stephanie Martin, Alejandra Molina, Bob Smetania, Yanat Shimron, Jessica Ederalde, Tom Campisi, Kim Roberts, and you, Warren. 
And special thanks to churchleaders.com for contributing materials for this week's podcast. You've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.